Hey, good morning, everyone. Want to thank you for all your terrible cards you sent me for my 50th birthday. They were very mean, by the way. No, I, there, something that happened, though, was really neat. Uh, my birthday was last Wednesday, and I was taking a jog, as I normally do, during the week around my neighborhood. And there's this elderly lady that I pass. She walks, and for some reason, we always seem to go at the same time. And we don't really know each other. We just say hi, you know, we wave. And uh, for some reason, this day, on my 50th birthday, she said something to me as I was jogging by her. And she goes, it must be nice to be young. I literally stopped, went over to her, kissed her on the cheek, and kept running. No, I didn't do that. I wanted to, though. I said, thank you. She, she made my whole day. She made my whole day. Never said, I've passed her for two years, and that day, on my 50th birthday, she made me feel special. She said, it's nice to be young. So that just put all of you to shame for all the nasty things you said to me and all the mean, mean letters. So uh, it was a good week. Thank you. All the Facebook stuff. It was fun. Um, Andy Imes gave me this today. It said, 50 isn't old if you're a tree. So, uh, you know, he said my dad gave that to him like five years ago, was it, Andy? My dad gave that to you when you turned 50. Five years ago, I think, Andy uh, Andy, uh, Sprague. Uh, I meant Andy Sprague, uh, but I don't think Andy's 55. But we won't talk about that. So thank you. It was great. Um, I, uh, I, as you know, we're going through uh, uh, the book of Philippians, and we started last week. And uh, I'm real excited about this because what we're doing is we're going uh, a chapter by chapter, and we're we're looking at this letter that that Paul wrote while in prison uh, to the church in Philippi, and it's just a it's just a, a wonderful letter. And I encourage you just to read. Uh, the book of Philippians, and it will help you. We're going to be in this book for the next seven weeks, and uh, I think it will help you to understand Paul's heartbeat. And, and what's wonderful about this book is you go through each, each chapter, it really helps you to understand the heartbeat of Paul and his relationship with Christ and how he truly loved this church uh, that that was the first church that he started in in Europe, and just had some good things to say, some encouraging words, not anything really negative to say to the church, but just to encourage them. And you're you're getting this feel of Paul and his heartbeat and his love for the Lord, and he's passing it on to this church. And basically, this church is no different from you and I, and the struggles that we go through, and how do we overcome the difficult things in our lives? How do we overcome? the struggles in our life? How do we overcome anxiety? How do we overcome worry? How do we just overcome those things that can bombard us in our lives? And I think Paul really encourages his listeners and encourages us here living today in 2016 on how we can overcome those things through um, Christ. How many you know that, that life is a battle and, and there's constant struggles that we have in our lives? And how do we do that through Christ. So if you've got your Bibles, you can look up at the screen. Let's jump into the passage. We're still in chapter 1. We're going to be looking at specifically at verses 12 through 26 um, this morning. And um, we're, going to, we're, we're looking at Paul, and he's writing this from prison. And I, I want you to notice the attitude in which Paul writes this. It's such a positive attitude. And you can see that Paul had a wonderful joy in the Lord. And uh, what we're going to see in this chap, in this end of chapter one, is that uh, Paul writes to encourage them to be faithful, to continue to preach Christ and the gospel of Christ. And we're going to see that Paul, in this, in these verses, there are some that have come against Paul or have criticized Paul. And what we're going to look at today is 
how do we overcome criticism? When somebody comes against us, now the people that are criticizing Paul, it's, it's interesting. It's not people in the, in the world. It was actually fellow Christians that were criticizing him. And I think if there's one thing for us that is very difficult for us to overcome or to deal with is when someone comes against us or criticizes us for something. How do we react and how do we get through that in our relationship with Christ so that Christ is glorified? And Paul just gives us some amazing insight on how to do this the right way. So let's jump in here. Verse 12, it says, Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace garden to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The, the latter do so in love, knowing that I am here, uh, put here for the defense of the gospel, and that the former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is this, that in every way, whether false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayer and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, that is what happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean faithful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but is more necessary for, for you that I remain in the body, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on the account of me. Lord, I just pray this morning that we would just heed your word that God, when criticism comes our way, Lord, help us to deal with it in the attitude and the light of Christ. Teach us Lord, how to rise above the things that come against us so that we can show your glory in our heart, that our identity is not in who we are, but in who we are in Christ. And that's what helps us to overcome. So just speak to us through your word, and we thank you for it. We give it full authority in this place today, for we ask all these things in no other name but the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all God's children said, amen. So, you know, he, Paul is saying, listen, um, even though I might be preaching the gospel and doing good things, things are still going to come against us. And so many times in our lives, we feel that way. We, we move two steps forward, only to move two steps back. And, and, um, and we, we think life is going so well. And then all of a sudden, a curveball hits us and, 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 and we end up moving back again. And we think like, man, is, is my life ever going to get better? Is, is, am I going to overcome this thing? And, and we, I think the expectations that we must have as a Christian is this, that life isn't easy, that we are going to have struggles, that life is a constant battle. That's the, one of the struggles I have with watching football specifically the Buffalo Bills, because they'll make this huge play and then all of a sudden 
If you're watching TV, you're waiting for the flag, right? And all of a sudden, they get 15 yards or 20 yards, and then there's the flag, and there goes that whole 20 yards, 15-yard progress, and then they're back 10 yards, so now it's, it's, it's second down and 55 yards to go, right, for the first down, right? It gets frustrating sometimes, especially if you like to watch football. When I was in college, I played on a, uh, on a uh, flag football team, and we were terrible. And the name of our team was called the Cheaters. Now, that's real nice going to a Christian college, right? We were literally called, that we had yellow t-shirts that said cheaters on them. And, and I, I didn't make up the name. The guy that was in charge of the flag football, our team, made up this name's cheaters. And so we were bad and, and we knew it, but we were playing the best flag football team on our college campus. These guys were like all ex-high school football players and they were killing everybody. We actually, at the end of the game, were tied with the best flag football team on the campus. The cheaters, us, who stunk. I don't think we won a game all year. We would do all these trick plays, and it was just, it was kind of a joke. But anyways, so we're tied with the team. And um, their quarterback goes back. They throw the ball. My good friend Ray, I talk about him all the time, my best friend down in South Carolina. He's like six foot four. He catches an interception. And there's like hardly any time left, and he's running towards the goal line and we're going to actually win the game on an interception so he runs and i'm behind him and you know i'm all excited we run into the end zone and we're going crazy i'm jumping on his back all of a sudden we look back there's a flag on the play this guy i'll never forget lee athey he's a pastor to this day in south carolina clipped somebody the play got called back time was over went overtime they ended up winning the game, so we couldn't beat them. See, cheaters never win. I'm just saying, just they, 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 they never win. Just realize that the cheaters never win. So, you know, th- that was so disheartening. See, we've got to realize that life just at times, how many know life sometimes just stinks? And so here, here Paul, here, here the apostle, he's in prison writing a letter on, on, and just suffering for Christ um, and, and encouraging this church. And then there's people that are actually coming against him. Other Christians who are actually trying to cause trouble for him, as Paul says. And so how did Paul overcome this setback? Because how many of us know the battle that we have in life is, is, is really a battle of our mind? It, it's, we battle with fear, worry, doubt, insecurity at times. We battle with discouragement. And here's this battle that Paul had with criticism from other people. And so how can we work through these things and not allow them to overcome us? And so as we've been studying this book of Philippians, we see the heart of Paul and Paul writing this letter from prison. And he just writes it with such um, joy and, and, and not discouragement. He wasn't in uh, despair. And so Paul lived a very hard life as a follower of Christ, close to death many times, shipwrecked, thrown out of towns, mocked in prison, flogged. And, and now he's being criticized by other Christians. And, and you know, here, here we're supposed to be on the same team, right? We're wearing the same jersey. And here Paul mentions that there are those within the faith, other brothers, who are criticizing him and trying to cause problems. And what caused Paul to stay away from this despair? What, what, what caused him not to, to go into this complete loss of hope? Paul could have easily fallen into despair 
many times of his life and not just this. Paul was single-minded. He would not allow the critics to sidetrack him. Yet Paul had such a joy that nothing could take that joy away from him. There was something that Paul had in his relationship with Christ that we need to have in our lives in order for us to overcome these things that can so easily beset us and cause us to move backwards and not forward. And so the book of Philippians gives us insight to Paul's joy and contentment. So what what gave Paul this joy and what kept him from despair? He's going to give us the answers in this letter. And so in chapter 1 that we see in Philippians, we see this section of chapter 1. We see how Paul deals with this criticism. And I would say... Probably criticism is one of the hardest things for us to overcome in our lives. Can I get a kind of an amen there? Right? And here's the reason why. Here's the reason why. It doesn't matter how many good things we hear when we hear one word of criticism, a hundred words of encouragement go out the window. Amen? That that one word of criticism gets stuck in our noggin, doesn't it? And we dwell on things. We can hear a hundred words of encouragement that, get, that, that, that can help us. But when we hear that one word of criticism, what's usually our first reaction is, well, we get defensive, don't we? We say, well, how dare they say that? I can't believe that they would say that. And then, then we get mad and we get hurt. And, and, and criticism can fester for weeks and months if we're not careful. And we let that thing simmer within our heart. And when someone brings up something, anything close to what we are feeling, we will usually use that as a springboard to vent our frustration. Uh, let me give you an example. Someone might say, boy, the weather isn't really good today. And then we'll say, well, let me tell you who else doesn't think the weather isn't really good today. And I'll tell you about this person. It has nothing to do with the weather, but we want to vent about the criticism of this one person has against us because it's something that's simmering in our hearts. And what Paul does is in verse 15, he starts by saying that some preach Christ out of envy or competition. And what Paul is saying is this, the criticism that is coming towards me are, are, are not from those who despise Christ or those who are heretical, uh, but these are those that actually preach Christ. These are fellow believers. These are other Christians that are actually coming against me. They were probably jealous of Paul. Uh, maybe they were jealous of the attention that he was uh, receiving. Um, and so they began to sow these seeds of dissension and they began to sabotage or try to sabotage uh, Paul's ministry. And if we're not careful, we can do the same thing. We can speak negatively of other churches or maybe other people or of a pastor um, and, and maybe nothing big, but just these little digs or cuts or little innuendos and, and maybe critical and negative opinions or whatever it may be. And this is what Paul was dealing with. Nothing earth shattering, but enough for Paul to write about it. And so those that spoke against Paul were trying to stir up this trouble. And so what did Paul do? It's interesting Paul's reaction here. It's not something that we would naturally bend towards when there's criticism coming towards us. Look at what Paul does here. Paul does not go after them. He doesn't try to defend himself. He doesn't say, look at the scoreboard. I have more churches or converts than you do. What does Paul do? Well, basically, 
Paul just shakes it off. He just basically shakes it off because why? The haters are going to hate, 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 hate. So just shake it off. Shake it off. (laughs) Some of you caught that, some of you didn't, but that's okay because you don't have teenage daughters. Okay, so, so here's what happens. Paul said that even though their motives may be impure, selfish, built on putting Paul down, listen to what Paul says. Whether it seems like they're hiding behind the truth, it didn't matter because Paul said the gospel was being preached. That is crazy talk right there. Paul could have easily gone after those critics, but what what does Paul say? He goes, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take the high road and say, you know what? They can come after me all they want. I'm secure in the Lord, but you know what? They're still preaching the gospel, right? They're not heretics. They're still, even though they may not be doing it with pure motives, I'm not going to judge those. This is what they may be doing. They may not be doing it with pure motives. But Paul says, what I rejoice in is that the gospel of Jesus Christ is still being preached. And that's higher than everything else. How many know that? That at the end of the day, who ultimately does the saving? At the end of the day, Is God's word still God's word? Does God have to deal with those people? Sure. If their motives are impure, God's going to have to to, to do that for them and reveal what he needs to reveal in them and, and have to discipline them. But at the end of the day, the gospel was still being preached. The word is, is, is still supreme. The supremacy of God's word overrides all of that. And Paul says, you know what? I'm not going to chase down the critics. I'm just going to rejoice that the word of God is being preached. Okay, now, how do we overcome criticism in our life? What can we learn from what Paul is teaching us here through the word of God? Let me give you a couple things here that that Paul realized with his heart and his ministry. Remember, Paul is writing this letter towards the end of his life. And so Paul has learned so much. God has dealt with Paul's heart. And so Paul has learned a lot. And so what gave Paul such security in Christ Jesus not to attack his critics, but to rejoice in the fact that the gospel was being preached? What gave Paul this type of maturity to rise above that and not allow it to infect his spirit to bring him down? This is what he did. Are you ready? Let me just give you a couple things here, okay? Uh, so here, here's the question. How do we handle criticism, whether it's harsh criticism or it's constructive criticism, right? How many have ever gotten constructive criticism, right? Either way, it's still criticism, right? How do we handle the harsh? How do we handle even constructive criticism that people see in us or flaws that they see in, in our lives? Here's the thing you need to understand. How many of us understand that we can't control what people say about us, but we can control how we react. That's vital. We, we can't control. Paul couldn't control the critics. He couldn't control what they were going to say about them, and he wasn't about to. But he could control, in his relationship with Christ, how he reacts to the criticism that was brought before him. And here's what Paul does. The first thing that we see in Paul's life that we know that that he didn't react to is he didn't take it personally. 
Now, here, this is huge. This is huge. I know what you're thinking. Well, pastor, it is personal. They said something about me. And, and what we can figure out with the criticism, and we see in some of Paul's other writings in the New Testament, that we can see that we kind of know maybe what the criticism was. And this would have been a hurtful thing for Paul because the criticism wasn't necessarily what he was teaching or the truth he was pre- uh, presenting to people or the gospel message that he was presenting to people. That wasn't the criticism. You know what the criticism was about Paul? It wasn't the way he did it. They didn't like the way he spoke. They didn't like the, in the manner he spoke it. He wasn't the greatest orator in the world. He probably didn't pass his uh, public speaking class his freshman year in college. Okay, he probably got a D in that class, right? He, that's what they were criticizing. It wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't the context. It wasn't what he was saying. It wasn't the truth that they were criticizing. It was in how he spoke. Would that hurt? Someone, I don't like the way you smoke. I don't think you do a good job in that. I don't think you, 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 you don't use enough this or that or enough personality. This is what he was being criticized for. And you would think what they're saying to Paul is, you stink as a, as a speaker. Ouch. Ouch. I think that would hurt. See, when we, and, and Paul could have easily taken that personally, but you know what he would say? It doesn't matter how I speak it because it's the power of God ultimately that saves souls, not in the speaker itself. And that's why he could turn around and say, you know what? I'm just going to rejoice that the message, whether they're doing it pure or impure or with impure motives or not, I'm just going to rejoice in the fact that the gospel message is being presented to people. And that's what, and that's, and that's what saves people. It's the word of God. It, it, it's that's what's being spoken. And so, so they're telling him, you stink as a speaker. And so when we take things personally, we take the focus off Christ and onto ourselves. So Paul would not allow himself to do that. He put the focus back on Christ. And God will work this out for his will. And I don't have to help the Lord. He'll work it out in their hearts. My job is not to take it personally and to keep presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ so that people would know him, that they would receive him, that they would come to know him as their Lord and Savior. You see, working through criticism can affect my attitude if I take it personally. So working through criticism, how can my attitude most reflect Christ? Now, now let me give you a couple things here on how to diffuse uh, taking criticism personally. And th- this is the hard thing because once we... Once we take it personal, all bets are off, right? The, the, the gloves come off, we're ready to fight. So how do we, how do we overcome the temptation to take it personally? Because that's, that's, you ever see two people and they're arguing and then they make the argument personal? Like they'll say, like, your mama wears combat boots or whatever it is, whatever the personal comment, right? And then it's like, okay, now you made it personal and then the fighting begins and you don't even know what you were discussing you don't even know what the argument was. It, they make it personal. And that's what hurts. And it does hurt. And I'm not going to say when it's personal, it, it doesn't hurt. Um, but how do we overcome that to not 
run the risk of making it personal where we begin to allow our emotions to take over and we don't allow Christ to have the focus. Let me give you a couple things here on how to diffuse uh, taking criticism personally. First of all, disregard the hurtful things that people say. What do I mean by that? Um, Sometimes people are just in a bad season of their life and they are disgruntled and for some reason they're taking it out on you. You, you, sometimes when people say hurtful things, I, I've, I hear a lot of things as being a pastor and, and, and when you get, when you scratch underneath the surface, nine times out of 10, it's not you, it's them. It's something that they've gone through. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a relationship that they had in the past and their, their, their personality is, is that they're, they're not trusting and they haven't dealt with that hurt and that pain in their own life. Maybe, maybe someone comes into a church and a pastor hurt them and they don't even know me, but right off the bat, they don't trust me, right? Just because in the back of their mind, this pastor did, to them, did that to them. And so all pastors are going to be the same way without even knowing me, right? And so for some reason, they'll treat you harshly for whatever reason. And there may be their own past and their own hurt. And, and so we have to think for a moment, okay, um, I've got to disregard some of these hurtful things because maybe they're just in a bad season. Maybe they're disgruntled. Maybe they're taking it out on me. Maybe they're just bitter. And, and maybe this stuff is just an anchor in their heart. And I've got to be careful not to take these things uh, too personally and just regard, disregard them um, as hurtful things. So just guard your heart there and just say, Jesus, help me pray for them, Right? And maybe they're going through a really difficult time and maybe there's hurts and pains and abuse in their past and it's just something that's coming out and for some reason they're taking it out on me. So just guard my heart there, Lord, and let me pray for them. So, so di- try to disregard the hurtful things and see maybe what's coming out. That doesn't, that doesn't mean what they're saying is right, okay? But it may help you give you a little more insight to pray and just not for you to take it personally and allow it to embitter your spirit and cause you to look away from Christ. Here's the second thing. Wait on responding right away to somebody. Just wait. And here's, here's my rule of thumb. I, I, if, here, here's what you can do. If, if somebody emails you or Facebooks you or whatever it is, don't respond right away. Because I'll tell you, 99% of the time, you're going to respond in your emotions. And if you were to read that same email response or IM or Facebook response 24 hours later, I guarantee you'll change it. Because here's what happens. When someone is critical of us and they say something and they email us, and if you write it right back, how many of you know you're going to write that with your emotions? And how many of you, your emotions have gotten you in trouble before? Right? You're, you're heated up a little bit and your emotions are stirred and you're, you're going to probably say things you don't mean. And, we, and that happens to us when we, we get in conflicts or arguments with our spouse or whatever and it gets heated and we don't say things that, 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 that we don't want it to mean, but it's coming out of our heart because we take it personally and, and we're angered and we say things that we're going to regret later. So my rule of thumb is wait 24 hours, pray about it, even do this, write it out, Right? If you write it out, have your spouse read it or something and say, how does this sound? Right? And so if it starts off with, you are a jerk, that's probably not a good start. Okay? Uh, don't do that. Okay? So 
wait 24 hours, write it, read it. And you know what I like to do? Write it out and then you can read it yourself and read it back. And, and I guarantee 24 hours later, you're going to look at that situation totally different light and you're going to write it not out of an emotional state but more of an intellect state where you're going to say my, my thoughts are more controlled and I'm going to really try to say what I mean and not try to respond um, through my emotions. Okay, And then the third thing I, you need to look at is, is, and this is the hard part, right? This is the hard part for all of us um, and not taking it personally, is look for any seed of truth and take responsibility for it. Because here's the thing, own what you can. Own what you can. Because it may be 99, it may be like ivory soap. It might be 99.99% wrong, but there may be that little teeny tiny little nugget of truth there that I need to hear that maybe is a blind spot in my life. That, that I don't want to be ignorant to. And, and, and a lot of, some of the Christians may be wrong. It may be undue. I, I understand that. But just own part of it. Own what you can and look for any seed of truth and take responsibility for it because this will help you not to take it personally because what happens is when we get defensive and we put our guard up, what we throw out the window is any ability to look at any truth in that thing to try to humble ourselves and say, you know what, maybe... There is something, maybe they're unfair in the way they said it, but maybe there are some things that I need to apologize about so that I can diffuse this, this conflict. Okay. And, 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 and you may, you may do all you can and that other person still doesn't do anything, but that's, that's on their end. You know, that's on their end, but on your end, try to take any seed of truth and try to own that. So, so disregard those hurtful things, wait on responding right away and look for any seed of truth and, and, and take responsibility. Now I learned this, um, uh, from pastor Andy Stanley. He wrote something really interesting about this on how to respond to criticism. And, and what he said, I thought was really wise. And this is what he said. He said, he says, um, when, when there is criticism that comes against you, um, up one level on how they corresponded with you. I thought this was brilliant. And this is what he means by that. You, you up one level on how they correspond with you. So, so um, reply in a way that is more rationally connected than how they initiated things with you. So let me give you an example here. What do I mean by that? Um, if they emailed you, um, call them. Not only will you shock them, but you'll quickly diffuse the situation. People seem to be bolder in emails than they ever are in a conversation. Um, and so just think about that. Think about how can I... Because listen, here at the end of the day, if, if we are ambassadors of Christ, we are ambassadors of reconciliation, that we're bringing the message of Christ to a world that needs to be reconciled back to God. And I think... We have to think this way, that my, my purpose in serving Christ is not ultimately to be right or to always defend myself, but to restore a broken relationship. Because that's what Jesus ultimately came to do, didn't he? He came to restore that which was broken, that broken relationship between us and God. And he gave his life as a ransom for you and I, took on our sins so that that broken relationship that could never be restored through our own efforts Jesus restored it through his precious blood. 
So that's being gospel-centered. I have to realize that this relationship is more important than me just being right. I, I want to make sure that things, as a brother and sister, or sister and sister, brother and brother in the Lord, I want to make sure that our relationship is correct. That doesn't mean we're going to be best buddies and best friends, but, but what it does mean is I've got to take that responsibility as a follower of Christ to make sure that that relationship is restored because that's what the gospel calls me to do. Amen? Okay. Um, here's another thing. If they stopped in a hall to blast you, take them out for coffee. Call them and tell them you'd like to learn from them and, and, and learn what's going on here and address the issue in person. If, if, if they got mad at a meeting, go out to lunch with them um, after. I, I guarantee nine times out of ten, you will take the air out of the conflict balloon. And if they're healthy and, 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 and you own whatever you can, you'll be surprised at how it, it, it really does resolve um, those uh, conflicted situations. Okay, so, so these are ways of not taking it personable, uh, personally and really, and, and, and I know, listen, I know it's hard when criticism comes against you, it's very hard for us to take the high road and work through um, that relationship because many times we don't want to because it's just a lot of work. But, but as much as we can, our responsibility um, as believers in Christ, we should be doing that. That, that should be our calling and, and to do our best to try to resolve those relationships. And, and then it's up to the other person to do what they need to do with it. But you did what you were supposed to do as a follower of Jesus Christ. Okay, here's, here's the second thing. And, and, and this is so important um, because I believe, you know, you can do all those steps that we just talked about and it still may not resolve the conflict. And you may say, man, I did everything Pastor Bard told me to do, and it didn't work. He has no idea what he's talking about. Well, join the club, okay? A lot of things I don't know what I'm talking about. But here's the thing that I think is going to really help you to work through uh, conflict and criticism. You need to always go back to the cross. And what do I mean by this? This is where I believe Paul was anchored in. This is where I believe Paul did not attack his, his critics because Paul was so anchored to the cross of Jesus Christ. See, If you're taking notes, write this down. Here's what Paul understood, and here's what we need to understand if we call ourselves followers of Christ. At the cross, my pride is broken. At the cross, my need to defend myself is broken. At the cross, my desire to retaliate is broken. At the cross, my pride is broken. At the cross, my need to defend myself is broken. At the cross, my desire to retaliate is broken. Amen? See, when I come to the cross, I humble myself before the Lord. And I realize what Jesus Christ did for me by humbling himself for me when I least deserved it so that I could be reconciled back to a holy God. If, if we don't have the same heart as Christ, Jesus with his disciples, he, he, you know, before his, 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 his arrest and his death and, and, and before his wonderful resurrection, um, he showed the way of the heart of God to the disciples when he washed their feet, took on the towel, took on the role of a servant, of a slave, and washed their feet. Basically, he goes, you can't have any part of me unless you become this way, unless you serve each other, unless you have the heart of a servant. And that's what Jesus shows us. And so, so when I come to the cross, I realize that I have laid my rights down at the feet of Jesus Christ. Even when I am criticized, 
Even when I am unduly criticized, I still have to come to the cross because the waywardness and the wickedness of my heart wants to protect myself, wants to defend myself and say, how dare they do that? But when I come to the cross, I lay my rights down. And I say, Jesus, my identity is in you and not myself or whether or not I'm seen in the right light. Amen. And that's hard to do. But that's what Christ calls us to do. See, this is what Paul says. In those passages, Paul said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I must die to myself. I live in Christ. I die in Christ. Paul's saying everything about me is in Christ. Whether I live It's going to be in Christ. And whether I die, I'm going to be with Christ. It's in him that I do all these things. We can, what we can, can tend to do is rewind all the things that the critics have said in our mind. And we will say things like this. They didn't understand me. This is not what I meant. How could they think that? But underlining all that talking to yourself in your own mind is my pride. And and I'm being accused of imperfections and our pride doesn't like that. When we are criticized, our pride perks up, right? And we don't like that. And we want to defend ourselves because, because that's our pride. And, and we want to be liked. We want to be understood. However, criticism will reveal the true motive of our heart and how we deal with that. And that's why I like what Paul said about himself. He says, listen, I'm the chief of all sinners. You know, that that was me, you know. And that's why I have to die to myself. And that's why I have to live in Christ. See, the message, write this down if you're taking notes because this is good. The message of the cross frees me from responding to criticism in anger or resentment. The message of the cross frees me from responding to criticism and anger or resentment. If I'm responding to anger and resentment, and if it's embittering my spirit and it happens to all of us, including myself, right? When I respond that way, there's a disconnect in my heart with Jesus Christ and what he's truly done for me. That's why I got to constantly keep coming back. I got to keep coming back. And how many know you got to keep coming back? You got to keep humbling yourself. You got to keep repenting. You got to say, God, you just revealed something to my heart. And sometimes God is going to use the critics in your life to keep you humble. No, I don't want that. I want all the nice people to say nice things about me. That's who I want in my life. I don't want the critics. They're, they're not nice. God, why would you send them our way? I don't want them. I want nice, nice. Right? That's who I... But they come. And they come for a reason. Because what they will do is they will reveal our pride. And they could be, listen, 99.99% wrong. But it's in the way we respond to it that will reveal our heart. And if I understand the message of the cross, that frees me. Paul was free. In fact, Paul was so free in his relationship with Christ is that the way he responded to his critics were like, I rejoice. Bring it all. Right? I rejoice because 
doesn't matter what they say about me. They can say my preaching stinks or I can't speak well or I'm not a good orator. I, I don't care. He goes, you know what? I rejoice in the fact that the gospel is still being preached. Amen. And he left it at that. He didn't have to say, look at the scoreboard. Oh, I got more churches than you. How many conferences do you have? Guaranteed it's not as many as mine, right? He didn't have to go there because he knew that would be pride. Let's not go there. Let's go to the cross and humble ourselves and say, Jesus, thank you for saving me, the chief of all sinners, Barden Gerais. Humble me and allow this situation to reveal in my heart maybe pride, maybe things that need to be revealed so that I can trust in you and trust that my identity comes from you. So let me, let me wrap this up. Let me close this down. Then we're going to close in song and, and, and just allow God to, to work in our, in our hearts. See, here, here's, here's the issue. Here's the issue. I come to Christ with all my faults and he receives me with all my stuff. Whether the criticism brought before me has any merit or not, my identity is in Christ who has already forgiven me. See, that, that's what Paul knew. That's why Paul could have the confidence he did to not respond to the criticism in a harsh way because Paul brought all his, his own merit, all the things that he thought he was great at or not great. He brought those before the cross and he says, my identity is in Christ. He has already forgiven me and I live in him. And what I do now, I don't have to defend myself. I don't have to get angry. I can ask for forgiveness. I can choose to love those who criticize me. This is not the end. I no longer have to protect myself. I don't have to cling and worry about protecting my reputation. The life I live, I now live through Christ. So, how do we take all this? How do we deal with all this? Because all of us struggle with criticism. And some of you you might be holding on to stuff way back in your past, maybe even back in your childhood, maybe things parents said about you, whatever it may be. Maybe they were overcritical and you are very insecure because of that. Maybe it was a bad teacher. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it is. But here's what Jesus says to us. He says, come to me with all those insecurities and give them to me. Let your identity now be in me and not in the criticism. How many know when you, when you have a criticism, it does hurt and you feel like I'm not doing a good job and maybe I, I'm not a good person and all sorts of Come to Christ. Paul in his speaking ability didn't stop him from still presenting the gospel. Amen? Thank God he didn't listen to his critics. He said, it doesn't matter. I do it for Jesus. Right? It doesn't matter. I live in him. I die in him. That's where my security comes. Let Christ be your all in all this morning. And for those of you that, that need to resolve some conflicts or, or relationships, let God through his Holy Spirit lead you to do that in the spirit of humility with all your ability to try to reconcile that relationship. And then constantly come back to the cross. When someone hurts you, come back to the cross. Just lay it at the foot of the cross. Let Christ bring his healing. Let Christ be your identity. And when, when God has you full of his Holy Spirit and you're in Christ, your reaction doesn't have to be in anger or in spite 
or try to one-up them or try to hurt them as much as they've hurt you. You don't need to do that anymore because your identity is in Christ now. You don't have to sink to that level anymore because of who you are in Christ. And I believe that's what Paul came to understand, that his life is now in Christ. His life is now in Christ. And he was rejoicing because this group of believers in Philippi were encouraging him and stayed with him through his imprisonment. And he rejoiced over that because there were believers. There were the few critics out there, but there was this body of believers that loved Jesus, that loved Paul, that wanted to see the gospel go forward. And Paul says, I'm not going to allow those critics to stop doing what God is doing in your heart or my heart because our identity is in Christ Jesus. So as we pray today and as we sing, just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart today. And if there are those relationships that are in disorder, let God use you to to bring healing to those relationships. Um, If you've lost your identity in Christ and there's bitterness in your heart, give that to the Lord. Humble yourself before the Lord. Repent of those things. And let Christ bring his healing to you this morning. Amen. So let's stand. Let me pray for you. And and, uh, we're just going to sing this last song in prayer. And let's ask the Lord just to help us uh, this morning. Dear Jesus, we just come before you this morning. And um, Lord, I know every single one of us, including myself, boy, it's hard when someone says something against us. It's hard not to take that personal. It's hard not to be hurt over those things. But God, I pray that God, we would rise above that with the spirit of Christ. And that we would do all we could to to be gospel-centered, to live the life that Christ has called us to live out in, in those relationships. So when criticism comes, Lord, I pray that your spirit would be in us, that we would not take it personal, that we would lay our rights down at the cross, that we wouldn't respond in a way that would be unbecoming of our relationship with you. Give us wisdom and understanding on how to deal with these with the heart of Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for showing us the way. Thank you, Jesus, that in the way that you responded to your critics. Lord, thank you that, that there's healing and there's forgiveness even when we, we make mistakes. But let us be found in you today. And just as Paul said, you know, I want to live for Christ. And whether I live in Christ or I die, I die in Christ. Help us to, to live that way in our daily lives, Lord. So thank you, Jesus, for accepting us, for receiving us, for giving us the power to overcome these temptations, to have to defend ourselves. Thank you that ultimately, Jesus, you are our defender, and it's in you we live. So bring healing, I pray, to your people this morning. And we thank you for your word that gives us direction and wisdom and correction to live our lives the way you desire us to live. And that's what we want to do. We want to bring you glory in all that we do. We want to bring you glory in the good things, and we want to bring you glory even when criticism is brought before us. Let us always look to you, Jesus. So we thank you and we love you. We just ask these things. In Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen, 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 amen. Let's sing this unto the Lord this morning. God bless you as you just worship him. Amen.